0: You are now listening to Well-Fed Women, the show that's been radically changing the way women perceive health, fitness, and their bodies since 2015. I'm your host, Noelle Tarr. Submit your questions to wellfedwomen at gmail.com and you can keep up with the show on Instagram at wellfedwomen. Welcome to the Well-Fed Women Podcast. This is episode number 282. I am your host, Noelle Tarr of coconuts and kettlebells.com. I'm a nutritional therapy practitioner and a certified personal trainer. I am so happy you're here, and I'm happy that I get to spend some time with you today because on this show, we're going to do a deep dive into a highly requested topic, and that is solving Period problems and cycle sinking with my guest, Barry on Barry, who is a holistic menstrual health educator and practitioner. Before I introduce Barry, this is going to come up in this episode. So I'm just going to preface this here. You need magnesium, especially right now, because it is 2020, and one of the things that greatly depletes. It that is greatly depleted during times of stress is magnesium. Unfortunately, you, you guys know we've talked about this a lot, but soil degradation has dramatically decreased magnesium in, in our food supply. And so the majority of people are deficient in it, specifically women, because pregnancy de- tends to deplete magnesium and Women just tend to be more stressed because we have more things to juggle. I'm just going to be honest. Um, Magnesium is not not just critical for supporting the stress response. It's also the catalyst for over 300 reactions in the body that connect to different functions like detoxification and energy production and even digestion. And so this... Uh, Magnesium, besides vitamin D, magnesium is one of the few supplements that I recommend almost everyone consider. And not all supplements are created equal. There are different types of magnesium, and different types of magnesium have different benefits, as Steph and I have talked about a lot. And your body can actually benefit from receiving a variety of different types. This is why I personally love and take Bioptimizers Magnesium Breakthrough. It contains seven different types of magnesium, all in highly absorbable forms that your body can use, including magnesium L3 and 8, which Steph and I talk about a lot because it can pass through the blood-brain barrier and help with cognitive function. It's actually back in stock right now. Go to Mag breakthrough.com slash wellfed that's mag and then the word breakthrough.com slash wellfed then use the code wellfed10 and you'll get an additional 10% off the bundled packages that you'll find on that page and I think they bundle like three and five and six bottles of magnesium breakthrough so you can get up to 40% off and this is actually where I personally (laughs) I personally make my purchases from through our podcast link because it's the best deal and I've noticed such a difference since taking it in my sleep quality and my mood, and my husband takes it as well. So um, again, that's magbreakthrough.com slash wellfed, and then use the coupon code wellfed10 on top of that, and you can save up to 40%. So now let me introduce Barry. on Barry is a holistic menstrual health educator and practitioner. Her number one goal is to teach modern women how to have pain-free periods, period. She's the founder of the Flow Academy, which teaches women how to utilize their menstrual cycle to optimize their health and get in sync with their cycle. We're going to be talking a lot more about that and the concept of cycle syncing today. And she's also the host of a podcast called Flow with Barry on Barry. I'm excited. Her sound quality is great because she's a podcaster. My mic is actually turned on this time, which it wasn't my last interview. So this is going
1: to be a great day. Welcome, Barry on. <laughs> Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. Yay!
0: Yeah, yeah, I've been listening to your podcast, and I was like, oh, her sound quality. Uh, my my listeners know I have a I have a thing with sound quality. I really want it to be clear and, like, you know, just I, like, there's just a lot of like, it ruins the listening experience when it sounds like you're on a phone. So yeah. and my last interview, I had my mic turned off. And I st- it just it was bad. So anyway, I am um, I was listening to your podcast, and you have so many great things to say. And you have a really cool Instagram. And one of the things Thank that you. I think is really cool is that you got started fairly recently, with your work and what you're doing, which is very cool, because I feel like right now um people are really intimidated to get involved or to do anything online in terms of being a female entrepreneur because there's already so many voices out there Mm -hmm. so before we get into your history about um problematic periods and all that kind of (laughs) stuff what made you you know take the leap into working as a as a period educator i guess it was was it last year
1: Yeah. Okay. So really my history actually starts in 2017. I dropped out of corporate America. That's what I tell everybody. I graduated college, did the corporate thing. I dropped out of corporate America and actually got involved in the holistic health space. And I started as a blogger, if you will, in the health space, but it was very holistic. And I did that for like two years and I feel like I failed, but I noticed that there was this white space in the industry when it came to women's health, but specifically periods. And so I took my expertise and really, I was a certified functional nutritionist and personal trainer and just kind of added hormones to it. And in January of 2019, we got started with everything period related.
0: <laughs> Very cool. So I, I don't want to like bring up your failures, but I feel like... No, let's talk about it. Okay, so I feel like people learn a lot from their failures, right? So when Mm -hmm. you say you failed at it, were you trying to just blog and you hadn't really niched down into hormones? Yeah,
1: I mean, honestly, I was the girl who... I saw everybody on Instagram and I'm like, all these girls are doing, like, butt workouts. I can do so much other stuff. Like I don't want to be the girl known for the butt workout. So (laughs) I looked at what I didn't like, honest to God. And I said, I'm going to do the polar opposite. But what I found was like the person I was trying to be was not really the person that I truly am. Mm. And so I think that's why I said I failed because yeah, I'm in shape and I, I work out. But at the same time, I didn't have the passion for lifting weights or I like to eat healthy, but I wasn't, really strict with the way that I ate. I was just eating better and not less in learning. And I guess I had this idea of what the perfect health and wellness blogger would be. And then I was like, that is so not me. And I decided to kind of like lift the veil of that and pivot and start again. So I had this big Instagram account. Like it wasn't big. It had like 10,000 people following it. But I had that account. And I was like, I don't like that person. And I don't know that community. So I decided to start over. And that's where everything has unfolded from there was saying, I don't like this. And I'm going to pivot and be who I do like and who I truly am, and that's how we got into hormones.
0: That's really cool. I love that because I do feel, I mean, it, first of all, it takes a lot of guts to start over, but it takes a lot of guts to realize like, oh, I don't like this direction where I'm going. I mean, honestly, I, I you know, I started out one way and had to pivot. I think most people do who are kind of in this space long-term and a lot of people who have been in health and fitness, in the health and fitness industry, um, start out trying to be that typical health and fitness educator, and then realize mm-hmm. all the problems with with it and the more you get into health and fitness the more you realize the like how little you do know and that there's there are many different root causes that it's not just
1: about food and fitness
0: you know what i mean so um i love that story i know that you were inspired because of the role that it played in your life talk to me about you know your personal experience with menstruation issues and what contributed to maybe your own personal period problems and then how did you end up getting your period back to normal
1: For sure. So I'm going to give you guys a short and sweet because I could talk about this forever. (laughs) Um, But I got my first period when I was like 13. And my mom was a single mom who worked a lot. And I had three older brothers. So there was no one around to really teach me about my period, especially because my brothers were not having it. So. (laughs) I just went around thinking like, oh, being uncomfortable on your period was super normal. And then I was a really high level athlete as a high school student. I was emerging elite All-American. I went on to compete in college as a sprinter. So I was a collegiate sprinter for like a year. I got on hormonal birth control. I struggled with hypothalamic amenorrhea, which is like when your period goes missing. So like, let me tell you, I've got a period saga. And I think in college, I decided that I no longer wanted problems with my health, but especially with like my menstrual cycle. And so I just started figuring out different ways to approach just holistic health and wellness. And birth control was the first thing to go. I made the decision I was like, this is actually trash. It shouldn't be in my body by. And then, you know, fast forward six years later, really, well, I should say five years later in January of 2019, I was interviewing someone for my podcast and she goes, Barry, periods aren't supposed to be painful. And I was like, excuse me, like, what are you saying? And she kept on talking about it. And that was the moment where I was like, I'm going to fix my period. So January 2019 happened. I was not on hormonal birth control. I was still having really painful periods. But February of 2019 happened and like my period got better because I was really intentional about nourishing my body properly, living in sync with my cycle. And then March of 2019, the day came where Barry no longer had a painful period. Mm-hmm. It just wasn't there. And it wasn't this really calculated thing. I think a lot of times people want this plan of action Mm -hmm. this is a step you need to take blah 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 no i was like wait you mean to tell me periods aren't supposed to be painful we're fixing this right now and that's it's really the way the story goes
0: so you said you you dealt with hypothalamic amenorrhea what were did you know that that was a problem like when you didn't have a period was that were you like huh this is a problem and maybe i should fix this
1: no. I so- had no idea. I mean, I literally would go 8 months without a period because I was training at such a high level and my teammates were also not having periods. And when we talked to our parents, they were just like, yeah, that's normal. Like you're a high-level athlete, that's what you should expect. Nobody around me was actually educated enough to actually speak into menstrual health and well-being and the importance of actually having a monthly cycle so we kind of just accepted the not having a period as a norm but when I did get my period it came with a vengeance I mean the cramping the bloating the bleeding I remember leaving school early the first day of my period because I could not function I didn't know what was happening to my body I always tell people like I was like overdosed on like pampering and my because I was in so much pain but then I got on birth control and like the pain subsided. But that didn't actually fix the problem because when I got off of birth control, the pain came back and it was even worse. So it was kind of this let's put a band over the wound situation but not actually heal it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, your story is so much like so many women where we have all these Problems with our periods and our cycles, whether it's pain or spotting or irregularity, or it's completely missing. And the band aid is birth control. Now, of course, Mm -hmm. birth control has a different purpose, which is birth control, not fixing period problems, but yet it is prescribed for that incorrectly to solve period problems when it's not actually doing anything. It's perpetuating the the issues that are that are there and exist in the first place which is why like when you got off you know you had more problems and I feel like then women just feel so like tied to the birth control they can't get off because because when they do get off their their problems are worse you know and it can be totally limiting so when you got off did you ever think like maybe I should get back on or were you like no I'm doing this
1: I was like, no, I'm doing this. I'm yeah. one of those people. I have a very strong like mindset and drive. So when I say I'm doing something, I'm doing it. I did not care what was happening. Like I was just like, you know what? If I have to take a pamperin or a all the time, I will do that. And then I started reading labels and I was like, oh, my poor kidneys. Like, so it was this conscious decision to make a change. And if I knew then what I know now, Oh, my gosh. A world of a difference. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. I mean, that's why I'm here today. <laughs> yeah.
0: Let's talk about what you do know now, because I want to I I think that, you know, even as a as a somebody who this is my this is my work as well. Um mm-hmm the cycle, like, I still have to take a step back and be like, okay, wait a second, what's happening in this phase? And what's happening Mm -hmm. in this phase? So can you just do a complete overview of our cycle for us so that we can first and foremost, get education on what the heck the cycle is? Because I think a lot of us think about most women go through (laughs) their lives thinking that their period is just the bleed, right? We Mm -hmm. only think about the bleed. And we don't think about this cyclical thing that happens every 28 to 32, or however many days, right? So can you just talk about the four phases and
1: what is is actually happening, the hormonal fluctuations in each one? For sure. So let's just start with saying this. Ladies, the cycle is a blueprint for life, okay? And I'm giving you the roadmap for how to follow this, okay? So the first phase of the menstrual cycle is the menstrual phase. This is when the endometrium lining is shedding, aka your period bleed, okay? I would say pre-post menstruation, pre-ovulation. And the reason I'm so vague with this, I'll talk about in a second, but I would say typically about day seven to about day 13 of your cycle, there's something called the follicular phase. This is when your estrogen levels are rising. This is when the follicle stimulating, also known as FSH uh, hormone, they are both beginning to rise. So you notice an increase in energy and you're like, oh, I can do some things now. Then there's ovulation, which is typically when your basal body temperature is its highest, that's when your cervical mucus is no longer in this like opaque or uh, translucent state, but rather opaque and kind of looks like lotion. That is ovulation, my friends. That only happens for about 24 hours, but that is actually based off of body temperature and when an egg is released. Then the final phase of the cycle is something called the luteal phase, which we all know as PMS. Now, I I would love to give you very... Um, Tangible days for when this happens, but it's actually really based off of your body temperature, so it does fluctuate quite a bit. But that's the four phases.
0: Hmm. And the lute- what about the hormonal? So, so what happens so, with hormones? So yeah. yeah, so we know that luteinizing hormone and the follicular As- activity, like all that stuff is is involved. How how is. Uh, How is estrogen and progesterone
1: involved in those? Okay, so during ovulation, your estrogen is at its highest. About 72 hours later, it plummets and decreases massively, and another hormone, progesterone, increases. So if you notice that you feel moody, it's typically because that estrogen has been lower. But if you notice you're feeling like you're bloating and you're swelling, that is where progesterone comes in, and that is what I like to say is your potentially viable pregnancy hormone, because progesterone actually gets higher in the body, and if you are to like conceive, progesterone's job is to basically protect the uh, egg until the placenta can start being built. But if you don't conceive, then progesterone rises and then decreases. Um, but you'll notice that like your breasts start to swell. You'll start retaining weight in other places, causing some bloating, maybe some hormonal acne. It's just in case you do conceive.
0: Hmm. So. You know what's interesting is, I once I finally grabbed a hold of this, and I haven't had a period for some time because of pregnancies, but mm-hmm. um, and breastfeeding. When I, the, what I've noticed in the last few months is that in that second phase, fa- well. I do. Oh, I, I have significantly more energy, significantly more creativity. And I want you to talk about this a little bit more. Okay. But, but I hate Instagram. I don't. Okay, okay. okay. I don't hate Instagram. I don't hate Instagram. I have a love hate relationship with Instagram because I feel like I need to always be present, but mm-hmm. I don't always feel like being present. And I so have I have it. these phases where I feel I'm like good and I'm going and I have the energy to do it. And I have these phases when I don't. And I've noticed that. now that I'm, you know, thinking about cycle syncing more, those phases where I feel like doing it are right after a bleed and into my ovulatory phase, like ovulation. Mm -hmm. And when I don't, it's typically like towards the end of my second half of my cycle and during bleeding and I'm just like not into it. And I don't want to be you know showing my face and like I do, you know I just don't I just, mm-hmm. just don't want to do that. And so it's really interesting the way that you see your energy shift simply based on your cycle and what you want to do when you start to see, you know, like when you become aware of your cycle and all that stuff. So anyway, I want to get into that more. I want to talk more about uh, more about cycle syncing. Can Actually, first, talk to me more about what you've named each phase and why, because this really resonates with me, and I think this (laughs) speaks to, like, what I'm feeling about Instagram. Okay. Um, Yeah, talk to me about those four, your four coins.
1: I guess the easiest way to explain it is two weeks on and two weeks off. That's what I say. Um, based off the menstrual cycle and the way it's structured, I decided to rename the phases that match what I was feeling energetically. Um, I have a tendency to think, not always, but sometimes scientific terms can be a real turnoff, especially if you don't know what they mean. So imagine your body is a spa and it's like going through a spa day. The first phase of your cycle, menstruation, I call research. Store because your body is releasing what it no longer needs, which is that endometrium lining and restoring. So you want to actually make sure you're getting enough calories. You want to make sure you're getting enough vitamins and nutrients, all of that. That's the restore phase. The second phase, the follicular phase, I like to call reconnect because that's when our energy is coming back and we're like, okay, I can do this. Like, yeah, that coffee day, I'll do it. That interview, I'm ready to go. Let's go and do it. Then I called ovulation renew because Because you literally feel like a new person. Like, I I can't be the only person who feels like a total, like, just queen for like four (laughs) days straight. Your skin's glowing. You're like, hello, friends, I have arrived. I like to call it renew because that's literally how you feel. And then there's the luteal phase, our PMS phase, where the only thing we want to do and should be doing is relaxing. So, I renamed the phases to kind of mirror a spa because I literally always want to be at the spa. Like I always want to thrive and just feel great in my body. But also it tells me what to do in terms of like my emotions or maybe what to do with my business and different things like that. Yeah
0: yeah that's crazy It changes everything and I love that you described it right off the bat as like a blueprint for our life because if we can intentionally plan things lot like, you know in our life around our cycle we will have such a better flow which I love that you have the flow academy <laughs> because it it truly is a completely different way of flowing into your life and we'll talk also about food and and exercise and all that in a minute um what in like just define it for us. What is cycle syncing? And in what ways do you think and do you see the most benefit that people from people syncing their life to their cycle?
1: Ooh, okay. So by definition, cycle syncing is when you adapt your diet, your exercise routine, social calendar, basically all aspects of your life with the phases of your menstrual cycle. Um, that is like the definition in a nutshell. But I think of cycle syncing as really, I think of it as flow. It's a state of mind, right? Flow state, but it's also what your body does. So that's how I define it. And I definitely think it's, it's game changing for a lot of people. It just really depends on how much control you choose to have over your schedule as well as your body. Does that answer the question?
0: It does. Let's talk about it in each phase um okay so i have because i have the the four phases written down so in restore when we are bleeding and what you what you're talking about is we need to be restoring a lot or restoring basically our body and our nutrients and our energy like protect you know Mm -hmm. taking a chill pill maybe a little bit um so that our body can shed what is going on there so let's just talk about those what which would be, I guess, the like seven ish days where we're bleeding. How can, what should we be doing in that phase, in that restore phase with our exercise, our food, and our life?
1: So with your exercise, you want to do active recovery related things. Now, I'm not sure how many ladies are on a training plan, but I always say do more lower intensity and low impact things because this allows the body to not be in that stress state. Um, Regardless of what anybody says, exercise does put stress on the body. So we want to ideally do lower impact things so that it allows the body to release. In terms of what to eat, go carbs or go home. That's what I say.
0: (laughs) This is, that's a t-shirt. (laughs) Go cars and go home.
1: (laughs) I feel like comfort foods is really what our body craves. And so we should provide our body with it because of what our metabolism is doing. Our body is releasing blood, right? So we want to make sure that we can replenish those healthy fats, fiber, and really proteins as much as possible. And it's pretty loose with how you choose to do it, but I just like to put it out there as a blanket statement. Mm -hmm. Lastly, what should you be doing with your life? I say that this is the perfect time to brainstorm all those crazy new ideas, just write them down, but also pay attention to your emotions. What are you energetically feeling? What's coming up for you? Are you a little bit more um, sensitive than you normally are? Are you feeling like you're up for a challenge? What is coming up for you? And how can you honor that?
0: Hmm, So almost like, uh, like, that makes sense, like a a planning phase?
1: Mm -hmm. I say that menstruation is ideation. That's what you should do. Then in the follicular phase, or what I like to call the reconnect phase, that's when we plan. That's our creation and strategic planning phase for sure.
0: Got it. Okay, so let's talk about reconnect, which is right after you bleed, follicular Mm -hmm. phase, follicular stimulating hormone is increasing because we're trying to create eggs to then be released in the next phase and estrogen is rising and going up
1: yeah so um during the reconnect phase i always say like i said this is going to be that creation phase. But in terms of workouts, this is when you want to start picking up that intensity of your workouts. I love to do HIT during this time, um, reformer Pilates, kickboxing. I like just go with what your body is telling you to do and listen to your body during this phase. Also, I would highly encourage getting some more proteins and healthy fats in there, a little less carb heavy because your body's not going to need it as much. A little bit more of a focus on, let me specify healthy fats, my friends. And like I said, this is going to be that creation strategic planning phase. So go ahead and maximize that. And if you feel like talking, talk. If you don't feel like talking, don't talk. But just make sure you're reconnecting with the external world because your energy levels are a lot higher.
0: I also have read um, that some studies show that insulin sensitivity is higher during the follicular phase due to the higher levels of estrogen. So That would mean that carbohydrates are used more efficiently in the follicular phase is
1: that correct? Technically, yes, it is correct, but I what I've noticed not only with myself but with a lot of other people because our metabolism changes throughout the menstrual cycle, right? Like mm-hmm. our energy levels are a lot higher during ovulation, so our metabolism is actually a lot higher. What I've noticed is For whatever odd reason, we start craving those naughty carbs, um, the ones that are more, like, simple instead of complex. So if you're going to do carbs, we want the complex carbohydrates. Mm -hmm. And we want to make sure that we're actually getting enough of whatever it is you need.
0: Okay. So ovulation, which is – I wrote it down – the renew phase. Mm -hmm. Typically, we know that it's only for 24 hours. So talk to me about how that works out. But I would – so – and. I actually get ovulation pain. Um, I don't really get pain any other time, but I've always, since like day one, I've always felt a little bit of like, eh, during, during ovulation. So I typically try to take that 24 hours as like a little bit of downtime or I I can't do a ton of like really high intensity work on the day that I'm ovulating. Um, but anyway, I digress. It's not, it's not about me. I'm just giving my, (laughs) my experience. But I do know that ovulation is when we typically can do all of our higher intensity stuff. Our metabolism does go up and, um... And we do technically feel really energized. So, talk to me about the renew phase and what we can be doing. And then, is it only 24 hours?
1: So, okay, to answer the last question, is it 24 hours? Technically speaking, yes, you only ovulate for 24 hours. However, we feel like that's when the um, actual egg is released for 24 hours. But we feel the effects of that surge in estrogen and the luteinizing hormone for, I would say, I would argue, three to five days after. That's why we have that like when we're like, I can do this, at least a lot of people who don't have pain actually feel that then if you have pain, that's a whole different story, because that would tell me that your progesterone is a little higher, but I digress. So during this phase, I say if you want to climb a mountain climb a mountain. Mm-hmm. If you want to max out in your workouts and do, you know, maxing out for like your squats, anything like that, this is the prime time to do strength, resistance, and power training. Your body is ready to go. And so that is when we want to get the most out of those workouts. I mean, that's when I personally would have my best performances and competitions and different things like that. So um, there's that on that.
0: <laughs> awesome. Okay. And then the last phase is um... Relax. Oh. hmm So, talk to me about that. This is technically the luteal phase and you talked about progesterone rising which yes. has two physiological changes typically our temperature goes up which i get like right before my period starts i actually get like almost like <laughs> hot,
1: flashes. hot flashes yeah it's really mm-hmm.
0: weird um and then you also so your basal metabolic rate increases so you, your metabolism is slightly higher so talk to me about like what to
1: do with that information Ah. <sighs> First things first, relax. Like that is the first thing we need to do. We want to take our workout intensity from high to low and just kind of put our body in more of a zen state. In terms of how to nourish the body, again, we're going to go carb heavy, but also protein heavy because the body is going to need to recover and also prepare to release at the same time. Now, what the best way to explain this, I can say in like without going too much into the anatomy and physiology is Hot flashes are normal and they're okay during this phase because that's also a result of your estrogen levels. And there is—do you mind if I share a supplement? No, for yeah. this specifically, I okay. There is a supplement called uh, Vitex. This is my go-to hormone balancing supplement for progesterone levels specifically. The reason the metabolism increases is because it's to support a potentially viable pregnancy. So this is when a lot of people honor well, they should, they might notice cravings. And I encourage you to honor the crave, but be smart about what you're giving your body because the body wants to support a potentially viable pregnancy, even if it's not Pregnant. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, totally. It definitely does. I feel like a lot of like once you kind of get that, that your body is progesterone levels are rising, your temperature is rising, and that is all happening because an egg is released. And so it's preparing for to hold on to that egg and create a baby. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. You know, that changes how we see what our body is actually doing. And then when it realizes, OK, this has not been fertilized, there is no baby that is going to happen, then everything drops and and you shed it's crazy that this happens every single month by the way it blows my
1: mind (laughs) i love that it happens every month though like women like menstruating individuals reset every 28 to 35 days whereas non-menstruating individuals only reset every 24 hours so like honestly we're awesome (laughs) like we're so cool because we are on a cycle and it's a lot easier to understand mm-hmm. a cycle once you know what to expect, you know.
0: Yep, it's also why a lot of the science that is all centered on circadian rhythms is not well applied to women because we have our infradian rhythms and we're totally like our hormones and our biological like um you know, influences ha- our circadian also I mean obviously we have that 24-hour mm-hmm. clock too, but it's largely and we're more intensely affected by the infradian rhythm. So it's, like, no wonder that all this advice, health and fitness advice, which is really targeted at circadian rhythm function, it does not apply or doesn't work for women.
1: And unfortunately, you know, that's where the research goes. The research and, like, the money really goes to those who don't have a menstrual cycle. And I'm like, dude, what about us? Like, (laughs) we need it too. We need help too. But don't worry. I've got us covered. Yeah.
0: (laughs) That's great. And I also to note which i just want to get your opinion on i know that technically during this phase the follicular phase so that time after ovulation we're we're less sensitive to insulin so There's typically, like, when we're talking about exercise, because I know that you're, you know, into personal training and so am I. So when we're talking about exercise, it typically means that our body has a harder time properly storing glucose and that, it like, the steady state exercise or, like, you would say the relaxing, more, like, chill or zen stuff (laughs) is better for us because it's... Doesn't require fast access to glucose. Have you ever? Have you noticed it in your training as a sprinter? Which you said you were a sprinter. Um, yes. That you know that you had a harder time with sprinting during your your luteal phase. Yes.
1: Because I felt heavy during my luteal phase, I felt very heavy and like bloated. So I can tell you my worst performances and I can tell you my best performances based off of where my cycle was. I can literally look at numbers and see that. But now, like, I don't even try to run when I'm in my luteal phase. Instead, Mm. I go boxing and I'm like, let me hit some things. I already want to get the aggression out. (laughs) Let me go do that. Um, But when I'm in my follicular phase and any menstruating individual, when you're in that follicular phase, that is when you are more biologically similar to a non-menstruating individual. I'm just going to say women, when we're in our follicular phase, we're more similar to men Mm. only for that like four to five day period of time. So when you're training, you'll start noticing a difference in the way things show up as well.
0: Yeah. And just from personal experience, I I do more endurance stuff. And I had Definitely, when I started learning more about my cycles, was probably like five years ago, and I was training for a half, which it was like the last half I ever did.
1: Mm. Um, I just was
0: de- well, I mean, uh, my endurance phase of my life was officially done after that one. But I had finally started figuring out my cycles, like, and I noticed that if I tried to do even a like more intense run in that in that luteal phase. I would get like I would I would fatigue much quicker, and yep. I and my I would actually get cramping. It would actually stimulate cramping, which I've actually never had cramps associated with my period. But it would like stimulate this cramping where I had to stop and almost wow. like side stitches. So like my body wasn't able to use glucose from like you know because side stitches usually kind of come from your liver. And I would get these side stitches, and I—it I, I, was the most confusing thing until I realized it was—it was because I was in my luteal phase. And even—even <sighs> even when I would do try to do really long runs, towards the end of that long run, I would feel way more fatigued, and I'd get like more side stitches.
1: Yeah. So one of the things that I've noticed, like obviously not a distance runner, so I can't speak that much into it. However, what I can say is like the idea of like a Sunday long run during that luteal phase, you might want to do a little bit longer mileage at a slower or lower tempo as opposed to something that's like a tempo run just based off of like what I've been exposed to. But I can't I can't be a hundred percent sure. It's just what I've kind of observed in something that a lot of my friends have shared as well.
0: Yeah. You all know I have recently become painfully aware of how light can impact overall health. I was on blue light overload and struggling weekly with migraines, sleep issues, and chronic infections, and it led me to finally try Juve red light therapy. There was no bigger skeptic than me on this, but I have seen a dramatic shift in my health since using my Juve device daily. Specifically, my migraines have completely disappeared, and I've also noticed more consistent, deeper sleep and less fatigue. And I've also rebounded very quickly from infections, and I haven't had anxiety like I would have expected, especially during what's, you know, during this crazy time and what's all going on. So, you guys know I don't do anything unless it's worth it and unless I've done my research. And there are literally thousands of clinical studies on red light therapy, and the research continues to grow. By stimulating energy production in the body and improving mitochondrial function, studies show red light therapy reduces inflammation. It speeds up muscle recovery and aids in healing of injury, and it can significantly improve sleep, circadian rhythms, and overall mood, including anxiety and depression. I am so thankful that Juve is supporting our show and helping to make all of this possible. It's it's really cool when brands and products you love and are benefiting your health believe in and support you back. Explore Juve red light therapy devices by going to Juve, that's J-O-O-V-V dot com slash wellfed. Juve is third-party tested for safety and performance, and they have a modular design, so you can start small and then build from there. I personally use the Juve Mini, which allows you to experience targeted red light therapy from any desk or tabletop. And if you end up purchasing a red light therapy device, forward me your order confirmation, and I'll hook you up with a signed copy of Coconuts and Kettlebells. Again, that's juve.com slash WellFed. Again, it's Juve J O O V V dot com slash Well Fed. Let's jump into questions from our community because we've got a lot of good ones to talk about. Okay, so this one's from Chrissy. Can you define regular periods? My cycles range from 32 to 38 days, and I don't know if that's regular. And how do you track your fertility? What kind of thermometer is best? So obviously we're talking a lot about tracking cycles.
1: How does Mm -hmm. one even do that? Okay, so let's debunk this and start with a normal period. First of all, friends, I... I don't like when people say normal periods because I'm like, every woman is so different. But it, a typical normal cycle should be anywhere from 21 to about 35 days long, okay? A period is irregular if it comes more frequently uh, than 21 days. And if you go more than 35 days, that is when an irregular period would happen. In terms of tracking your fertility and how to do it best, there's something called the fertility awareness method that it's a birth control method. Non-hormonal, of course, 100% natural. And it has you measure your basal body temperature, your cervical mucus, and your cervix placement. And I personally utilize uh, a DAISY to measure my body temperature. But you can use any thermometer you have around. I just use a DAISY because it's really, really... And then I also have this thing where I'm always telling my audience, check your panties for cervical (laughs) mucus. Okay. I know I I would be that person. Check your panties. Yeah. Check your panties because your cervical mucus. So if it looks like lotion. That means typically you're ovulating. But if it's more of that translucent, like it, it looks like kind of like a coconut oil, right? A heated up coconut oil situation, then that tells you you're not ovulating. And it's just kind of an easy way to understand. Now, in terms of cervix placement, just Google it. I would rather not get graphic about it. <laughs>
0: Okay, so the daisy, wh- what does that look like? How do you, tr- what do, like, what do you, how do you do it? Do you do it at the same time every day? And then what does that tell you? Like, how how do you know based on what information you're getting?
1: So the Daisy is a thermometer and it's super cute. You just, you have to use it before you get out of bed. That is the one thing they always say, like if it, if you get out of bed and then you track it, you're not tracking it properly. So you just pop it in your mouth and then you take it out and it actually has an app. In the app, it will kind of tell you like, okay, What does your cervical mucus look like? What does your temperature look like? And it really just helps assess all different aspects of your fifth vital sign, which is the menstrual cycle. So I'm pretty new to using the Daisy. I've only been using it For a few weeks now, so I'm still learning the ins and outs. But before, I would just use a regular old thermometer and be like, okay, well, my temperature is really high right now. I'm ovulating. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. My temperature, it went down and then it went back up. Okay, this is my luteal phase. So it was just kind of a, a slow build to me plugging and playing if you will
0: so basically your temperature goes up 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 it hits its highest peak right when right before you ovulate right after you ovulate it drops correct mm-hmm. so when that drop happens you know i'm done so
1: it like when that on. drop when that drop happens it's like fight me but also you'll <laughs> notice there's another increase just as the progesterone levels. So it should drop at about, let's say, day 18. There will be a significant drop in your temperature. And then your body temperature will increase probably again around day 22 or 23. And that's when you know for sure I'm in my luteal phase. Don't mess with me.
0: Cool. Okay, so that's cool. I've never used an app. And I think that that it would be, I probably want to do that moving forward. I always used like it, you know, it did on a piece of paper that that the, um, the fam book gave you the fertility awareness mm. method book would give you but then you know now we're in the t- we're in, the, uh, in 2020 and we can use an yeah. app so
1: and i think the cool thing about the apps is you really if we, i say now that i'm very lazy when i first started tracking i was super like adamant about logging everything cuz i was just mm. like oh my gosh what am i doing after a year and a half i'm so lazy about it i'm just like ugh i know where i'm at i literally know to the day what day i'm at yeah. what my panties are saying because I checked my panties like I know my body now but if you're just starting out definitely if you have the Apple Health app go for it if you don't have a daisy Apple Health app is the way to go clue um, those are my two recommendations
0: okay cool and then the cervical um, mucus changes so it you tend to notice like an increase or I do an an increase in those days leading up to ovulation and then it kind of changes like you said that more lotiony texture right when you're ovulating, and then you kind of, you get a little drier in your second phase <laughs> because as my understanding or from my understanding, it's estrogen, the increase in estrogen that causes that, correct? Correct. Okay, so that's why, this, this is where I learned that is because I think in men- perimenopause and menopause, you know, vaginal dryness is caused by that decrease of those hormones. So, okay, let's see, is it, pre- this is from Simona, is it possible to get pregnant outside of your fertile window, so talk to me f- about fertile windows too what are you what what are the things you should do avoid during menstruation i e caffeine inversions uh, inversions in yoga what types of flow flows mean what and you already talked about best tracking periods so let's just talk about fertile windows and then I would love your your insight and your
1: opinion on what
0: different flows mean like heavy Absolutely. flows versus light flows yeah
1: Okay, so first and foremost, yes, it's possible to get pregnant outside of that fertile window. I think a lot of times people forget that sperm can live in the uterus for up to five days. So even if you're technically not ovulating based off of what you've been tracking, you have to understand that there's a five day window. So give yourself extra, take extra precautions during that time. That's what I like to say. Um, I hope that answers the question. And then in types of flow, um, Ah, Wow, that's a loaded one too. So a heavy flow is usually associated with too much estrogen and a lighter flow is associated with too little estrogen, but you have to have a lot more of the facts. So you have to pay attention to what it's too light of a flow. Like, is it light in color? Um, are you not bleeding enough? Or is is it too heavy in terms of do you have too much blood? Are you actually measuring how much blood that's coming out of your body based off of a menstrual cup because it gives you the ounces? So there's a lot that goes into it, but you really want to be cautious about what you're saying. And I hope that answers the question. I know it's kind of vague, but it's dense.
0: That's enough. I actually didn't know that. So, okay, so, so is, is est- would estrogen dominance be sort of, a symptom of estrogen dominance would be a heavier flow? Absolutely. Okay. And that can actually happen, folks, as you... Um, like as of well, there's a lot of things that lead to estrogen dominance. So we're not gonna get into that, but that also as you get into perimenopause and menopause, those hormonal changes can actually that can be um the underlying root cause. I I think the, the one of the really eye opening things here is that and what you're talking to us about is so many of these things, these symptoms have underlying root causes and those root causes are different variations in hormonal imbalances. So yes. um Let's jump into cycle syncing. How do I start cycle syncing if I have long, irregular cycles? It's always above 35 days, and I don't know why yet. How do I know what phase I am in at any given time? Should I just sync as if I were in a 28-day cycle?
1: Yes, the answer is yes. You should attempt to actually sync as if you are in a 28-day cycle because you'll notice that energetically like a lot of times we want to ignore our emotions because we don't understand them pay attention to what your emotions are telling you because that will tell you actually a pretty good depiction of where you're at in your actual cycle you want to notice when you're feeling super irritable if you're very irritable it's probably safe to say you are in that luteal phase if you feel like i'm fatigued but i don't have my bleed yet you're two days away from bleeding, if you feel energized, like, pay attention to your actual body, listen to your body, and also talk with your doctor. Because if your cycle is that irregular, that could be associated with completely different um, issue altogether. That could be a women's health related issue like PCOS or endometriosis. It could also be associated with like adrenal fatigue and different things like that. So definitely make sure you're chatting with your doctor.
0: Yeah, and figuring out the underlying, I, I think that it's, it's one of those things that you can, you can do cycle syncing, but at the same time, be trying to pursue what the root causes of some of that irregularity. Um, Absolutely. And what do you, rec- where is like a good first step for people to start? So if somebody has an irregular period, which we're going to dive into a little bit more here in a second, but, you know, if somebody has an irregular period, where do they even start?
1: So I like, I'm going to give you guys the secret method that I use. I call it the flow method, real creative, right? So the first thing is find out all of the facts. So I want you guys to really do your research and figure out what each phase of the cycle means, because that is going to help you also start tracking your temperature. Even if you have an irregular cycle, you'll begin to notice the highs and lows of your temperature. And that's going to help you sink in really easily. Um, And for those of you who are more, into things that are a little less scientific and a little bit more on the esoteric side, you could also follow the phases of the moon. That's not scientifically proven to impact the cycle. But I know a lot of people do follow it and they do honor it. So that is something that I would suggest as well. That is the first place to start. The L stands for live in sync. But if you don't know how to do that, well, listen to the first part of this podcast episode. We've got you covered. (laughs) And then the O stands for optimize. So now that we know, you know, where you're at, we Found out which phase you're in, right? And then you're living in sync with it. Now it's time to kind of like adjust and really optimize different aspects of what's going on. Thus, yeah. the flow method.
0: Got <laughs> it. Awesome. Okay. Let's talk about fixing low progesterone. Um, I think that one of the most common hormonal imbalances that I see, I don't know about you, but is high estrogen, low progesterone. And
1: mm-hmm. it can
0: obviously lead to a lot of things like heavy flow, which you just talked about. But let's talk about some other common symptoms that women experience. This is from Caitlin. She said, it might be nice to talk about spotting slash brown bleeding. I was well into my mid-late 20s before someone told me that I shouldn't be having any spotting or brown bleeding before my cycle started. I had no idea it was a biological marker for something hormonally going wrong. It turned out for her to be deficient, deficiency in progesterone. I got a lot of replies to this question mm-hmm. um, because everybody was like, oh my gosh, I have this too. And wait, this isn't, this isn't right. So talk to me about the spotting and the brown bleeding. And is that common? And what does that typically
1: mean? So do you mind if we backtrack? So first, the supplement I mentioned, Vitex, get it Put it in your mouth. It's great, okay? <laughs> it's so good for that. But low progesterone is actually caused by an ovulation, which is the lack or the absence of ovulation, aka no egg has actually been released from FSH. So that's what you want to really kind of keep in the back of your mind. But in terms of the brown stuff... Brown bleeding is usually associated with oxidized blood that didn't make it out of your uterus during your last cycle. And that is caused by those low progesterone levels. So you kind of have to understand the color of your bleed, which do you want me to go over really quick? Please.
0: Yes, that'd be great. Okay.
1: So that... That was the nutshell about the brown spotting. And I hope that answered the question. If it doesn't, just DM me and I'll send you a voice message. But the rich red usually means you have a healthy period and yay for that. And it's considered the normal stuff, right? You're already eating in sync. You're living in flow. Everything's great. And you're good to go. A light pink it really is an indication of a shorter period and extra light bleeding indicates low estrogen levels. Your hormones are made from the food that you're eating. So if you have low estrogen, it's likely due to like a vitamin or a nutrient deficiency and some improper improper or extreme dieting. So we want to be aware of that. And you also want to pay attention to how you're supporting your adrenals because your HPA access, which is your hypothalamic pituitary and adrenal access, as well as the OX, Access, your ovarian, adrenal, and thyroid axis are very instrumental in actually regulating what's going on hormonally. I know that was a lot, but like, just keep rolling with me, guys. Uh, <laughs> and then you, go,
0: it, the good thing about podcasts is that you can rewind and listen to it over again, which I do all the time. I'm like 15 <laughs> seconds back, 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 and then I listen again.
1: <laughs> and then the last color I want to talk about is the purplish color, because I've noticed this is pretty common with my clients. Okay, listen. If your period is a little purple, that means there is too much estrogen, aka estrogen dominance. Estrogen levels that are higher in proportion to your progesterone levels is going to cause this to be purple. And that is a symptom of a problematic period. This could potentially lead to things like endometriosis or cysts or fibroids. And over the long term, excess estrogen is just going to continue to cause more problems. Now, I know we hit a lot.
0: Yeah. Okay. What
1: is the question? <laughs> okay.
0: Purple is high estrogen that can, and high estrogen can be a cause of fibroids as well. Yes. Okay. That's really interesting. I'm going, we don't, we don't have the time to jump deep into estrogen dominance and how to resolve that physiological or hormonal imbalance, but I am going to link to, um, her, uh, Your Flow Academy Baryon. And I'm also going to link to, I have an entire, um, estrogen dominance, uh, uh post on my website that I, launched last year or I published last year and it's all about how to shift in other words what are the physiological shifts that are how could it be presented in other words low progesterone can actually be a cause of estrogen dominance but also high estrogen can be the cause of estrogen dominance same physiological um, expressions different root causes and we'll link to all that so that basically what I think you're doing Um, for us here, Beryon is telling like, here are the root causes. And so when we're talking about solving that, that's, that's a whole nother episode.
1: So I just want to (laughs) make sure we're going to hit hormonal hierarchy guys. And hopefully I'll be back and we can talk about hormonal hierarchy, cortisol, (laughs) insulin, all of that. But like, it's a lot.
0: But I do think that that's super helpful. What about clotting? Is that typically high estrogen as well?
1: Well, so it depends because a lot of people like confuse like the endometrium lining shedding with like clotting and they're not really like sure what's going on. So yes, if it's just estrogen, like if you're not on hormonal birth control, yes. But if you are on hormonal birth control, then it's like that's a result of the synthetic form of estrogen or progesterone in the body. So okay. it's going to be really dependent as to what's going on. But also, we have to take a look at what's going on with your lymphatic system, what's going on with your adrenals or your endocrine system and your central nervous system. There's so much when it comes to estrogen that people are just like missing almost. So,
0: I I had no idea that the, the brown bleeding was left over from the previous menstrual cycle, like that mm-hmm. spotting that typically happens your first few days. I had that a lot. I mean, this is the first time that I'm actually hearing about this. I had that a lot when I was in college, training a lot, had very regular periods, and I'm sure my progesterone was very low because I was over-exercise, under-eating, and exposing my body to too much stress and too little nutrients. But uh, now I don't have that at all, and it actually can, that can sort of be problematic because all of a sudden it's like, boom, your period's there, and hello, and if you aren't ready for it, like, you got a problem. She's arrived. Yeah. Yeah. I
1: mean, the one thing I would always say is if you kind of can predict like, okay, my period's going to show up on the fourth Saturday of every month, yeah that Thursday night starts slowing down. There's no excuse. If you know, if you know when your period typically shows up, because I used to know that like when I was in high school, I knew it, but I didn't pay attention to it that much. I just knew it was coming start slowing down and preparing your body to release the faster you prepare your body to release the easier things will be and the less shocked you will be honestly
0: okay <laughs> I, I have I have one more question. I think this is so relevant. This is about stress. The second second month into COVID slash quarantine, my period came 10 days early. My next period was its normal length, 31 days, but a lot of my period having friends have also reported weird issues with their cycles in the past couple of months. Was my period 10 days early due to stress from the state of the world or are all of our cycles out of whack and influencing each other? So can maybe you talk about because I I just know so many of us are going through this how does stress and why does stress impact our our um, cycles and what's that what is the physiological response is it usually shorter or longer And, and why does that happen
1: Let's talk about stress, baby. <laughs> Sorry, I had to do that. So Weird. I actually did an entire podcast episode talking about stress and the menstrual cycle. And first and foremost, let's go ahead and say it. It's because you're overstressed. Yeah. Your cortisol levels, when they are way too high, they will throw everything off in the body altogether. And second thing I want to address is sorority syndrome. That's basically when people say, like, oh, our cycles influence each other. Scientifically, not proven. However, I've experienced it. So like, although science doesn't prove it, it could still be a thing, but I can 110% say with certainty, if you are somebody who is high stress or high anxiety, especially with what's going on in the state of the world today, you need to get your stress under control because if your levels are too high, if there's too much cortisol in that bloodstream, that's directly impacting the regularity of your cycle.
0: And what does it do? How does it influence that? Like
1: what? What is cortisol, high cortisol's impact on estrogen and progesterone? It starts either overproducing or underproducing depending on like how you physically feel, right? That's that fight or flight. So Mm. at at the top of your hormonal hierarchy, it's literally cortisol. She sits as the queen and like let's just say to her right is insulin, right? Like I just want you guys to envision this with me. So if (laughs) cortisol is at the height, okay, she's going to dictate everything else that is happening and it's really just about the way the rest of your body is working. So let's say you're – you're in an ideal health state. But for whatever reason, you're like Barry, you're an Enneagram 8, and you're stressed a lot. One woman shout, right? You can guarantee that cortisol is going to say, well, we're going to take a little bit of energy from your estrogen and a little bit of energy from your follicle-stimulating hormone because your body can't support a pregnancy, even if it was possible, and we're going to redirect it over here. Mm. That's what cortisol does. She, she's like the one thing that I'm just like, Oh, you're annoying. But I know that really cortisol is saying, okay, you're too, you are in too much of a fight or flight state. So I'm not even going to act like you can have a baby. You're Mm -hmm. not even going to produce that egg. I'm just going to delay it. Mm -hmm. It's this, she literally just orchestrates the show and she's so underrated. But everybody knows she's overrated at the Mm -hmm. same time. But she really is like the most important thing. So again, you have to kind of learn how to control it. And Cortisol is an entire episode in and of itself. Yeah, yeah. It truly really is.
0: I, I like that um, analogy, however, because I, I sometimes we we think that chronic cortisol is going. We want we want simple and clear definitions. So we want to say that, well, if your cortisol is too high, this is how your your hormones are going to get out of whack. But as you just described, your body you you have your own unique hormonal you know influence uh, or biology so your hormones are doing one thing so then when cortisol goes high it's going to impact your unique hormonal situation in a unique way because you not everybody's the same so and not Mm -hmm. and that's why it can be so confusing and, you know, hard for people to understand that when you have high stress, well, my body's acting this way. And somebody else says, well, my body's acting this way. You know, well, my luteal phase is long or my luteal phase is short. Well, my, you know, follicular phase was extra long. Like, what is that about? And so there is no like this equals this. But mm-hmm. one thing we do know is that, like you said, cortisol's at the top and she can take and steal things from our body, resources that our body needs to produce a normal cycle because she needs that to continue the you know whatever the the, the, the stress state. response the fl- flight or flight yep they mm-hmm. that flight or flight needs raw materials needs nutrients so she's taking it from where she needs it i love that we've coined her a she um she she needs it she wherever cortisol needs it wherever that or fight needs it and so that can result in different physiological changes in our cycle it's not like oh your luteal phase will always be shorter or you know whatever um so anyway i i love that i love that analogy and i think that that hopefully can provide some insight to everybody um i know you have to go i know we're at the end thank you beryon for um for being on the show and for talking a lot about periods, talk to me about your podcast and your Instagram. I love your Instagram. Where can people find more about you? Absolutely.
1: First, thank you so much for having me. I'm so honored to be here. And everybody can come and hang out with me over on Instagram at Barry on Elberry. But, like, low key, if you just search PMS, I should be the first person that pops up. Um, I like to say that I am the ta right like you have your experts in the industry who are like just so phenomenal Mm -hmm. and they're the professors and then barry is the ta she tells you what you need to know for the exam not like the entire textbook but what you need to know for the exam so come hang out with me there or over on my podcast flow with barry on barry and yeah that's really it
0: that's awesome thank you thank you and i love tas because You know, TAs provide information in a way that we can understand, and that can be really hard sometimes when we're just trying to figure out what's going on and we don't understand the scientific terms and the the fsh and the lh and i just (laughs) i loved i loved when i read that you had changed the phases into these different names i think that so many people are going to connect with that so thank you for what you're doing and thank you for taking that step and saying i'm gonna i'm gonna get out and make sure my voice is heard because i think we need more voices like this to educate women on their periods and their cycles and that we are unique and we get to um dictate our life around our cycles like that that changes everything like you said it's a blueprint it's a blueprint for your life so i love it thank you barry on thank you all right for more from me you can go to Coconutsandkettlebells.com. and we'll link to all of barry's links in the show notes including her flow academy and her website and instagram Um, make sure to join our Facebook group. It's Well-Fed Women Holistic Health Community. This is where I got all of these amazing questions from all of you in the community. So thank you guys for submitting your questions and for really dictating what our shows talk about and the topics that I cover because that really helps me know what you all need. And I really appreciate that. So love you guys. We will
1: talk to you next week.